Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. Well, on this episode of All Things, I want to take some time to discuss the controversy surrounding transgender athlete Leah Thomas. As you know by now, she is a swimmer, she's a fifth-year senior at the University of Pennsylvania, and she's the first transgender athlete to win an NCAA Division I title. She won the 500-yard race last week at the NCAA Championships in Atlanta. Now, Thomas was born biologically male, raced as a man in high school and during her first three years of college. She began setting both Ivy League and school records as soon as she transferred from the men's team to the women's team at Penn. She had been on hormone replacement therapy for 34 months when the NCAA competition began. Now, I share that fact about Thomas's hormone replacement therapy because back on December 5th of 2021, some Penn swim parents sent a letter to the NCAA asking that Thomas be ruled ineligible for women's competitions. Now, of course, you can imagine why these moms and dads are really concerned about their daughter's chances in the races. These are girls who've been swimming competitively since they were five, six, seven years old. They've given their whole lives to waking up early to compete, their summers to competing, and now their daughter are set to compete against a biological female. So they wrote the NCAA asking that Thomas be ineligible. Now, if their request had been granted, then Thomas would not have competed last weekend. In response to the letter, though, the NCAA decided to punt the issue and ask the um, punt the issue of transgender athlete eligibility by basically relegating the eligibility guidelines for each sport to that sport's national governing body. So for swimming, that meant USA Swimming would then decide on eligibility. Now, when the NCAA asked USA Swimming, they said, yes, we'd be happy to do that. We've actually been working on such guidelines now for months. So they came back on February 1st with their decision, and it is that athletes would need to prove a 36-month record of taking hormone replacement therapy through a registered process with medical oversight. Well, after hearing USA Swimming's decision, the NCAA decided, never mind, we think it's unfair to implement new rules right before the end of the year in this NCAA D1 competition. So we're going to go ahead and revert to our old rules that determined eligibility and Leah Thomas can go ahead and compete. Well, you know by now the headline, she won the 500-yard race and she's the first transgender, transgender athlete to win an NCAA D1 title. With her college swimming career now complete, Thomas's goal is to swim in the women's category with Team USA at the 2024 Olympic Games in Paris. So I want to talk about this story from a couple different angles. First, I want to talk about males and females, our sex, from a biblical perspective. Secondly, I want to look at the importance and the value of protected spaces for women and girls. I want to talk about the legitimacy and the necessity of having female-only sports and spaces. And then lastly, I want to circle back to the Bible and apply a gospel perspective to this story that frankly feels overwhelming and somewhat angering. Okay, so first let's go with a biblical perspective on males and females. I know that in the midst of this loud and bewildering culture war, even longtime Christians might feel tempted to question the authority of God's word. These days are really disorienting. The culture is loud. It feels like 
things are changing at a rapid pace, sort of with a rushing river current of cultural change. And so in this moment, especially, I think it's imperative that we Christians hold on tightly to what we already know to be true. And here's what's true. Our creator God is personal, he's kind, and he's loving. He creates with purpose and intention, and all that he makes is very good. The creation of both male and female was neither accidental nor an afterthought. The two sexes are by design, and both sexes are needed. Humans are created the image of God, we know that from Genesis 1, and that image was not complete until both Adam and Eve were made. We see that in Genesis chapter 2. Now, I know non-Christians may not assent to the reality of a creator and the truth of creation, but even so, these, these truths still stand. And it's for our own good, and it's for the good of others to live according to the created order. The created order is very good. The created order matters. You and I do not determine our sex. Rather, we are created with a sex. And both sexes are very good. It's good to be male, and it's good to be female. When this conversation feels overwhelming, when you feel like you don't know what's right or wrong anymore, remember that we have a good creator. And not only is he our creator, but he's also our savior. He stopped at nothing to reconcile us to himself. So we can trust that his created order and the sex that he gave each one of us is for our good. And it's good and it's right to point both believers and non-believers to the good created order. Okay, moving along. Second thing I want to talk about is why protected spaces for women really matter. Male and female bodies are different, and it's not sexist, and it's not transphobic to say so. Male and female differences are good. These differences should be protected. These differences should be celebrated. The male body is good. The female body is good, but they are not the same. And we all know this. This is intuitive. It's why we have Title IX laws. Now, Title IX became law in 1972 for the purpose of prohibiting discrimination in education. It took some time, but eventually athletic departments began to comply with Title IX and um, women's sports began to take hold in colleges as well as in high schools. So in 1981, fewer than 30,000 college women participated in sports. But by 2017, over 200,000 did. And additionally, when we look at the numbers in high school, the number of high school girls participating in sports increased by 990% between 1971 and 2003. So the demand for women's sports and the need for women's sports back in 1972 and subsequent years, did not lead to the addition of women to the men's teams. Colleges and high schools, the teams, the the coaches, the principals didn't look at each other and go, hey, let's just put the girls on the boys' team. No. Intuitively, colleges and high schools knew they needed to create women's teams because it was readily obvious that they were not the same as men. Title IX was invaluable. It led to tremendous progress for American girls and young women. It gave us appropriate places and spaces to grow and to compete and to thrive. You know, we acknowledge the differences amongst us all the time. For example, in bicycling and running, we categorize those of similar ages and similar speeds, and we say, this group should compete against one another. In wrestling, we require competitors to be divided by their weight. There's weight categories. We have the Olympics and we have the Paralympics. So too, 
female athletes deserve fair environments and equitable spaces to compete solely against one another. The allowance of biological males in female spaces and sports is regressive. It erases the progress of the last 50 years. You and I know intuitively we cannot organize sports around chosen gender identities rather than objective biological realities. Now, speaking of biology, I want to take just a quick minute and go on a little tangent here, a little side note. There's another current event making headlines, which you probably know about. It's the confirmation hearings of Supreme Court nominee Kentaji Brown Jackson. I haven't been watching um, these hearings super closely, but I have been keeping up with some of the headlines. And I know that Brown Jackson was asked on Tuesday of this week if she could provide a definition for the word woman. And she answered, no, I can't. Not in this context. I'm not a biologist. So in my perspective, from my opinion, her answer was definitely a cop-out. As a fellow woman, I would have loved to see her provide a truthful answer on behalf of our gender. But here is what I find really compelling about the answer that she gave. Here it is. It betrays what we all know to be true. And that is sex is determined by biology, not feelings. She said, I'm not a biologist. She pointed to biology, which frankly, I wish we would be doing a lot more in this conversation. Without meaning to, Brown Jackson gave voice to the intuition that all of us have about our sex. We each have a sex. We were each born with it. It's biological. Progressives want us to embrace sex as an internal identity that we choose over and above the actual biology of our bodies. Brown Jackson's answer, though, shows us no one really thinks or functions that way. We all know that sex is biological. And that's why this whole Leah Thomas situation is really troubling. We all know Leah is a biological male, and yet we allowed her. NCAA, Penn, allowed and even celebrated her competing on a women's team and taking home victories, including a D1 title, at the expense of many biological females. Here's what's so frustrating about Thomas's participation on the women's team. It erases women. It feels like now being biologically female isn't enough. Apparently, women are not woman enough. Our sex can now be erased and removed from the arena so that men who want to be women or feel like they are women are given the space instead. Do you hear the madness in this? Women are removed or demoted from their own competitions and categories and spheres so that men can take up some of those spaces. This is just a great irony to me. Title IX was implemented just 50 years ago, mind you, not long ago, so that women could have a space in these spheres. And this space that we have is still pretty new in education and in sports. In the name of equality, women were given a unique space to do the same things that men were already doing. And now, apparently, also in the name of equality, these spaces are being taken from women so that men can have more. Womanhood has been so redefined that actual women are now excluded from the sports they have been training for their whole lives so that men can take those spaces. And transgender women, biological males in other words, who have been men their whole lives, meaning they did not grow up as girls. They did not face what girls face. 
things like the over-sexualization of young girls or unfair treatment in the classroom or dealing with puberty as girl athletes as they're coming of age. You know, Leah Thomas and other transgender athletes faced none of that. But three years ago, when Thomas decided as a member of the men's swim team to transition and join the female swim team, the powers that be, Penn, NCAA, American culture at large, said absolutely, sure, yes, please take one of these spots from our girls who've been biological girls their whole lives. I don't honestly know how this could not be seen as gender appropriation at best. Now, to be sure, Leah Thomas has talked at length about the dysphoria that she or he as William experienced when she was young and when she was in high school. And I do not discount this dysphoria at all. I too have loved ones in my life who are transgender. I know this dysphoria is real. I know it's incredibly uncomfortable and oftentimes debilitating. I think Thomas deserves the full extent of compassion and counseling and care. Absolutely. Anybody who struggles with gender dysphoria does. However, we have to be honest and say that biological differences exist. They are real, and it's not transphobic to say so. Well, as I was researching for this particular episode, I came across a thread on Twitter. Um, Now, basically, this was not a thread of just tweets, but it was a long list of links to news stories across Europe, the United States, and Canada. And these links um, to the news stories the stories were about the um, biological men who transitioned to being female and then began competing in women's sports. The list is really striking to me because it reveals just how pervasive this already is, this practice. How many times already a biological man has taken a spot or a title or a win or a record from a female and in a female setting. So I want to give you just three quick examples from that list. I'm going to link the list in the show notes so you can go on there and see the dozens and dozens of more than the few that I'm just going to tell you about. The first example is an athlete named Cece Telfer. And I'm just going to read you verbatim. This is the Wikipedia paragraph about Cece Telfer. Cece Telfer is a Jamaican-American athlete. While a student athlete at Franklin Pierce University, Telfer first competed without success in the men's division from 2016 to 2017. But after coming out and beginning transition, Telfer was allowed to compete in the women's division. Telfer eventually took first place in the 400-meter hurdles event in June 2019. Then there's Laurel Hubbard. You might know that name. She made headlines last year. She's the transgender weightlifter from New Zealand. Well, from 1998 to 2012, Laurel Hubbard failed to qualify for a single international men's tournament as a professional weightlifter. But in 2013, she transitioned. 2014 to 2021, Hubbard then qualified for 11 international women's tournaments, including the Olympics. Last example, there are two biologically male high school students who are runners in Connecticut, and they regularly sweep first and second place when it comes to the women's running events in their Connecticut high school district. Also included on that tweet thread are bicyclists, volleyball players, cricket players, 
BMX bike riders, MMA fighters, basketball players, golfers, rugby players, cricket players, runners, dodgeball players, handball players, hockey players, soccer players, bodybuilders, kickboxers, rowers, and archers. So take a look at that list. It is discouraging because it's so pervasive. It almost feels like this is already the norm. Well, moving on, Sports Illustrated this month had a long article and cover photo of Leah Thomas. In that article, they asked her why she should be included in women's sports, and this was her answer. I quote, the very simple answer is that I'm not a man. I'm a woman, so I belong on the women's team. Trans people deserve that same respect every other athlete gets. Now, in in contrast, a parent who wished to remain anonymous, but the parent of a female teammate of Thomas's at Penn said this, quote, Leah is a human being who deserves to be treated with respect and dignity, but it's not transphobic to say I disagree with where she's swimming. Biological differences exist. They are real, and it's not transphobic to say so. So moving on in our podcast, coming full circle, I want to be able to apply just a gospel perspective to this whole issue. I want to be very clear. Leah Thomas and all transgender people are created in the image of God with inherent dignity and immeasurable worth and value. And as Americans, they are entitled to fair treatment and protection from harm. I want Leah and others to be protected. I want Leah and others to be treated fairly. I appreciate how I've seen some interviews with former tennis star Martina Navratilova. Um, I've just really liked how she's spoken about this. She has placed the blame squarely on the NCAA, not on Leah. You know, Leah Thomas has been obeying the rules at play, but the rules need to change. As our culture increasingly validates a growing number of identities, a growing spectrum of identities. The path forward is going to be complicated, but the NCAA and our nation has got to find a way to protect all groups and various groups without simultaneously compromising the dignity and protection of other groups. So in other words, the inclusion of trans athletes cannot lead to the unfair treatment or exclusion of biologically female athletes. Biological women and girls have been marginalized in the past, and we remain vulnerable. Forsaking our rights cannot be an option, and it's good and right to say so. Well, moving on to winding this episode down, let me say this. Our convictions about God's created order and the necessity of protected spaces for women are strong. Those convictions must be strong, and they are based on on truth. But at the same time, our speech has got to be gracious and seasoned with salt, as it says in Colossians chapter four, especially as we speak with those outside the faith. There's no room for the Christian to name call or to belittle or to be unkind. The word of God is full of hard truths when we read it in light of our culture's belief about males and females, about the two sexes. But let's let it be the word of God that offends rather than our own arrogance or our own unkindness. You and I, who are followers of Christ, are saved by grace through faith. It's not our own doing. Therefore, there should never be a whiff of pride or arrogance in our own words or our own behaviors. Apart from Christ, we are nothing. Now, I know for many of you, I hear from you all the time, 
These issues feel so polarizing that you want to put your head in the sand. You just hope that they will blow over, that you can hunker down and maybe come out later (laughs) after these things have resolved. But for you who are in Christ, I want to say to you that you and I have the very best reasons for putting ourselves out there and engaging in this conversation. We know Jesus, we know the Christ, and no one can be saved and no one can thrive apart from him. He is our one and only hope. Now, the gospel is not only that we are sinners in need of a savior. The gospel starts with a good creator who's been pursuing you and me since before we ever sinned. And if you and I and anyone else, including every transgender athlete, is going to be well, if we're going to be well, we have to know and surrender to our creator and to our savior. We have to know and abide by his character, his design, the purposes that he has for us. No one can conjure up his or her own wholeness or peace or contentment. That comes from our creator and our savior alone. Without him, we have nothing. Now his words, which are warm and true and even hard, have been wooing people to himself for millennia. And that is not going to stop now in 2022. God is not anxious. God is not worried about offending He is not wringing his hands, wondering what we're going to do in this cultural moment. Because for those who have words to, those who have ears to hear, his word speaks life. Now values are changing. What's permissible and what's celebrated in our day is changing rapidly. But Jesus's words do not change. And I think in this moment, to love God and to love neighbor is to engage in this conversation. It's not to shrink back. It's to recognize that loving conversation doesn't necessarily mean agreement. So we may not always agree with those who we're talking to. Maybe it's a neighbor, a coworker, a child of our own, a family member. We may not always agree, but that doesn't mean our conversation is unloving. We must be pointing those that we love to the God who made them and died to save them. Whether that's a conversation about Leah Thomas or any other contentious issue in the days and years to come, it's good and right for us to go toward people, to engage them. I truly believe that our homes and our hearts are going to hold out hope when our neighbors and loved ones are exhausted from trying to keep up with the idols of our age. I believe that our lives, as countercultural and embarrassing and as awkward as they may be sometimes, will point to Jesus. And Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. So let me encourage you, for those Christians who are listening, as you follow Christ, you offer others life. So don't shrink back, but do dive in to this particular cultural moment. I want to conclude by just encouraging you to take a look at my new book, Cultural Counterfeits. Um, It is available everywhere books are sold. If you like the theme and the topic of this particular podcast episode, then you're going to love that book because I dive deeply into these issues. Um, Just so you know, right now the book is being offered at 50% off for the next two weeks at the 10 of those bookstore. So I will link that in the show notes as well. Take a look and grab a copy. Thanks for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now.